my daughter's just finished her first semester of university and she didn't know I was gonna talk about her, so I'm sure I'll be in trouble for embarrassing her afterwards. Um, but it's been really fun for me to watch her um, with one class in particular. She's taken philosophy this semester and I was a philosophy major in my undergrad degree and I quite loved it. And so seeing her thrive and enjoying the conversation and the thinking process that comes with the philosophy class has been a lot of fun. Um, but one of the consequences for me of studying philosophy is I can have a habit of overanalyzing things. I think my wife's laughing right now when she heard that. <laughs> yes, she is. Sometimes it's a good habit. Other times, not so much. But I must say, I do like a good puzzle to analyze. Um, and when I was studying philosophy, I came across a book. And let's throw the title up on the screen so everybody can see it. Um, this is the title. There are two errors in the title of this book. I'm curious, what are the two errors? Can you see them? What's the first error you see? The, the? Sorry, are you stuttering? <laughs> it's got two thes. Excellent eyes. I'm not surprised you caught that. What's the second error? Excellent. Which means there actually are two errors. Yes. So is the title wrong in only having one error? Or does the error in the title actually mean that there are two errors, so that title is actually correct because there only is one actual error, but the error is there's two errors. This is totally my kind of book. <laughs> and I picked it up and I started reading it again the other day when I was thinking about this. So it's a fun book. Um, this book, along with many other philosophy lessons, helped me understand a basic truth. Sometimes it's more important to ask the right questions than to have what we think are right answers. And I think that is so important with the wise men, the magi, and the Christmas story. So as we're going through the series, do you see what I see? We've been asking some questions. We're going to start off with what do we see? So what do we see with the wise men? Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but much of what we think we know or talk about may in fact be wrong. But man, it works well for our songs, doesn't it? Like, we three kings of Orient are. I mean, it's just great. So why change it? Uh, so first of all, uh, they weren't kings from the Orient. They were astrologers reading the stars, and they came from the East. So they're not kings. We presume they showed up the night of Jesus' birth when we talk about it, because it really works well on Christmas Eve to fit everybody into the same time frame. And we have no pity on Mary having to have all these visitors when she just had a baby. But we don't actually know when they came. Uh, but most likely they came a while later, within the first two years. Uh, we know it's within the first two years of Jesus' life. But chances are they came later. We don't even know that they rode camels. That's, yeah, that's just disappointing to me because I like the camel pictures. Um, next, there were three types of gifts mentioned, but we have no idea how large the traveling party of foreign dignitaries that the Magi were, how big they were. We don't know how many there were. 
I saw a great cartoon saying, after the three wise men came, the three wise women came offering extra diapers, extra meals, and childcare. You know, that's probably true. They're much wiser than bringing gifts like gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In some ways, I, I feel like we see wise men as fillers in the story, and we just like the characters. They flesh out the story, they add details, they give us songs to sing, and characters in our plays and Christmas entertainment. They fill out our nativity sets, balancing out the shepherds. I mean, imagine a nativity set where you got the shepherds on one side, but no magi. It'd be so lopsided, wouldn't it? Do we see the wise men, the magi, as truly important to the story? Or do we just see them as another part of the story? So rather than focus on the answers we think we have, maybe we're better off asking the right question or questions. Not questions of how many or where, when they came, but rather the question, why are these wise men a part of the Christmas story in the first place? Reality is, the details we talk about doesn't really change the answer to that question. And so we can have fun with the story details, but why did they come? What did the world see when they saw the magi, the astrologers, the wise men? Maybe before we ask what they saw, maybe we should ask what they did not see. What did they miss? First off, I'm not sure the world would have seen that God was at work through these wise men. It would have just been another part of life, a strange encounter perhaps. But I don't think people would say, wow, look at those magi from the east. God must totally be doing something with them, bringing them here at this time and place. I'm not sure that would have been the reaction. And we do this too. We don't pay attention always to what God is doing in our midst. We need to have eyes to watch for what God is doing. Because God is at work in wonderful ways. Sometimes big ways with healing. And we know stories of healing during this season. And we're thankful for that. Sometimes in small ways in what we see as small ways, but in God's world, maybe our big ways. But let's not make the mistake the world did. Let's make sure we're watching, especially this Christmas season. What is God doing in your life, in the life of your family, in the world around you? How is he wanting to use you? How is he using you? So what did the world see? I think the world would have been very intrigued by these foreign strangers showing up, if not in awe of them. I mean, I don't think this was a common sight. It's not like there's an airport, you know, in Bethlehem or Jerusalem or anywhere where people would fly in en masse, you'd have all these foreign people all the time. That's not how the world worked. So I think this would have been a very unique experience for a lot of people. I think they would have noticed the wealth of these people. The clothing would have been different. I think they would have been curious about their question. These foreign people show up saying, into a Roman-controlled area, saying, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. This would have caused a lot of conversation. For some, it might have been excitement, like, oh, what happened? What's going on? Maybe this would have been the start that God was doing something at this point. 
They might have understood that. But for others, knowing how the Romans would respond to the rumor of a king that was not one of theirs, this would have brought fear and trepidation. And of course, others saw them as a threat, or at least what they came seeking as a threat. Specifically, King Herod did. King Herod would have been put off by this news, to say the least. And we see the tragic consequences in the Christmas story of King Herod being threatened by a new baby, of all things. You see, Herod was labeled king of the Jews himself by Rome, as he had been made king over Judea. So this baby was a long-term threat to the power he had been given. He could not have anybody undermining his authority and power and control over Judea for two reasons. One is, he had threats on both sides of him. He didn't want an uprising of the Jews, but also, if Rome saw him as incompetent and unable to control, he'd be taken out of his role. So, he went overboard in response. And brought about the massacre of the innocents, as we call it. The slaughtering of children. One of the most horrific parts of the Christmas story. And we should not be remiss to know that the Christmas story comes at an incredible cost in this world. God breaking in in human form into the world came at an incredible cost. We see in Revelation 12 that this is not just a historical event, but a spiritual reality and a spiritual battle that took place when Jesus was born. And a price was paid in this world. So we love our happy Christmas. I've just ruined it all, haven't I? Let's keep in mind this Christmas that God literally paid the price with his actions for us. Because our world is broken and sinful and pushed back against God entering it. But God didn't yield because he knew what was needed for our grace and our salvation and our renewal and for God's kingdom to break forth into this world. And even today, we need to realize that the idea of Jesus is a threat to those with power and authority. We see this globally with a persecuted church in places where Christianity is illegal and people suffer for their faith. There are Christians who are not able to celebrate Christmas publicly. And yet we'll still do so because of the good news of the Christmas story. And let's not forget that. And what a wonderful freedom we have at this time to worship freely. I don't think we should take it for granted that that will always be the case. And so in this season, I come with thanksgiving for the freedom we have to gather right now. And I know there's restrictions that are in places elsewhere. I'm not talking about the health restrictions as being the threat to us. But we're told in Scripture to expect persecution. And that's a part of the Christmas story, and it's part of our reality for many people in the world, and sometime it may well be for us.
in our lifetime. So what did the Magi see? Well, what's the obvious answer? What did the Magi see? A star, yes. <laughs> they saw a star. And wow, Christians love to talk about the star and theology and science and all that sort of stuff. What is a star? We seek all sorts of possibilities. Oh, it must have been a planetary alignment that happens once every 125 years between these three or four planets. Or it was a supernova, but there's no recorded evidence of it, but a supernova from long ago went off and it triggered it for there. And that may well be. Because our God is God over the universe. Our God is in control of all things. But let's also keep in mind that this is also the God who led Israel through the wilderness with pillars of fire and cloud. So whether this was some natural phenomenon that God brought about, which if you think about how far away a supernova would, would be, and how long the light takes to get to earth, Wow, talk about God's sovereign plan. Great. Or perhaps this was a miraculous light like a star that God did. I tend to be in the latter camp because as you read the story, they seem to lose track of the light, the star at some point, and find it again. But we don't know. What we do know is God made sure the Magi saw something like a star. And that's really cool to me, that God did that. The Magi saw a truth in the sky about a king of the Jews, and they thought it was worth pursuing. They met a king when they get there, who they were warned to avoid in a dream. They saw a child with his mother, and in the meeting... In that meeting, they met the king they sought, and they worshipped that king. Do you see the fundamental shift in power that happens in this story? These magi meet with Herod. Here he wants to worship them, and God says in a dream, don't return to him, and they don't, but they've worshipped instead the new king. There's a shift in the story for, from who, for who the king of the Jews truly is. From a Roman-appointed power to God-ordained Jesus. God incarnate is the king of the Jews. This small child. It's a fundamental shift in the power. A tiny child has usurped a Roman ruler. I think that's pretty cool. What did God see? It's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, astrology? <laughs> they read it in the stars that a king of the Jews had been born, <laughs> and they traveled a great distance following a star. So should my lesson be, everybody look to the stars and follow whatever the stars tell you? <laughs> Somebody says yes. <laughs> of course not. Scripture does not encourage astrology. And yet God worked through it in an incredible way that's a key part of our story. Isn't that amazing how God works through all things? Which makes sense because God is sovereign. 
God worked through this group of foreign people with the way they sought knowledge and made a revelation to them that they would understand in a way they'd understand it and that they would seek after it. And they came. God saw this group of people that he needed to be a part of the story. And he worked in their life to bring them to the baby Jesus. God is allowed to work as God desires to work. And he works in some wonderful ways. We see this throughout scripture. God saw some people who would obey him. God saw people willing to go to great lengths to meet this new king. God saw people who were willing to worship this baby king. God saw people whose lives became one of seeking after him and worshiping him. I've always wished we had a sequel about the Magi and what became of their life after encountering God incarnate. Wouldn't that be wonderful to know? But we haven't been given that story. We have our own story to wrestle with. We don't need to worry about anybody else but ourselves and how we respond and then sharing how we've responded with others so they can engage as they want to. God saw people who would fulfill the prophecies of the Christ child. A prophecy that makes it clear this child was not just for the Jews, but was for all people. So what should we see? We should see the Magi as an important part of the Christmas story. An important part of our story. In fact, the church historically has seen this visit as super important, so important that the visit of the Magi has its own holy day. Christmas starts on the 25th and goes for how many days? The 12 days of Christmas, and it ends with Epiphany. The word Epiphany itself means manifestation or revelation, and in the Christian tradition, it's the story of the revelation of God and of God's love in the child born in Bethlehem but it's a revelation for all people, not just those in Israel or Judah or that cultural group that we see in the Old Testament, but for all people. And the Magi represent that to us at the, at the time of Epiphany, when we celebrate Epiphany. We remember that. That this story is for you and for me and for all of us. That this story is not just a historical event we look back and say that's nice. But this is something God did for each and every one of us. We also should see God as sovereign in all things. And he can use and will use anything to bring about his will. How many of you guys know the name Phil Vischer? VeggieTale guy? The guy who made VeggieTales? I might have told this story before. Um, my wife and I had the chance to hear Phil speak one of the first times after um, he had a major health crisis. Uh, he, VeggieTales went into bankruptcy, they had to sell out, and he went into a major health crisis, spiritual crisis. And he realized God was pulling him out of VeggieTales to save him, to get him back on track in faith. And he said, God will do anything to get our attention. 
God will use anything to bring about his will. And that's amazing. He led strangers over phenomenal distances to let the world know how special Jesus was and ultimately that he is the king. The king not just of the Jews, but a king for everyone. God brought this about through a star he led them with. He brought this about with the knowledge the Magi had that led them to follow the star. There are so many different pieces in this story where God's sovereign hand is at work, making sure the details come into play. Look how often angels and dreams are a part of the story. Because the sovereign God was at work, making sure things happened the way they needed to. Because he loves us. God is not absent in the world, but involved in wonderful and marvelous ways. Often we don't notice or we're unwilling to notice. And finally, we need to ask the question, are we willing to go in as the Magi did? Do we see that call on ourselves in this story? The Magi model how to respond to the Christ child for us. Do we see that call in our lives to seek the Christ child in our lives, to seek after Christ? To follow the light of the world and offer up our lives as an offering of worship? To do whatever it takes to play our part in the story? Are we willing to go against what the world wants? Instead of worshiping the idols of the world of wealth and power and influence and so on, are we willing to humble ourselves and make our lives a sacrifice for the king? That's really the call of the Christmas story for us. What are you willing to offer up before the Christ child this Christmas? What are you willing to give of yourself? To what lengths are you willing to go in your life to be obedient to what God is calling you to? We each have a gift we can give to Christ. And it's our lives. And when we entrust our lives to Christ, I will not promise you it's an easy journey always, because it is not always an easy journey. But it is one that has great rewards in terms of the work that God does in our lives and through our lives and the hope, ultimately hope we have in Jesus for the fullness of his kingdom and the gift of eternal life. Because that's why the Christ child came. That's why Jesus lived his life, died on the cross, rose again, ascended, and will one day return. And in his coming, we got brought into the story. And the question is, what part will you play? Let's bow in prayer. Jesus, we live in a world that is dark. And you're coming into the world as a child, as a baby, was a light in a dark world. 
that you are still present in this world at work through your spirit in us and through us. Lord, help us be willing to give our life to you, to turn away from the request of the world, to, to turn to the world, but turn away from the world and turn to you with our whole lives, loving you with our whole selves, living your kingdom way in this world. And in that, we know that that will be a witness to the world around us, that it will be a light in the darkness of this world. And we know the world will push back at times, but we also know that, God, you are sovereign over all, and we can put our trust in you, for you are faithful. In your name we pray. Amen.